0: you for downloading this podcast from victory outreach manchester we pray that this message will bless your life as you listen let that be our testimony that we believed in the one true and living god and jesus christ whom he sent let that be our testimony let that be our blessing Spirit of God, rest upon this church today, I pray. Move us into the place of blessing. Let us remember how blessed we are and what it means. Spirit of God, we thank you for being here with us today. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. I'm just going to read these verses, and then you can be seated. The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Just as you're seated, look at someone and say, "You're you're blessed. Be blessed today. Be blessed. Praise God. Thank you to our amazing worship team. The story of God is amazing. It's filled with pictures of how he relates to humanity. When you open up the pages of your Bible, there's so much that's contained in there there's history there's poetry there's prophecy there's salvation there's purpose that's contained within the pages of the book of god and the bible is a true story and it defines the nature and purpose of reality and when you look at it the claims that it makes are astonishing it claims to tell us how everything came about. I don't know if you ever study outside of Scripture, if you ever read anything scientific, or you look at apologetics, or you, 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 you read the different arguments. But I love science. I mean, if you love science. I love the fact that I can get into a car and drive to church. Amen? Amen. That's science. I love the fact that I can sit down on a couch at night and with a little bit of plastic in my hand, I can point it at a screen on my wall and I can click a button and all of a sudden entertainment is going to come up from thousands of miles away. I mean, if you love that? I'm into air fryers. Some people love them, some people hate them. I like them, man. Imagine you can just put, season up a bit of chicken, hallelujah, and I'm talking about seasoning, amen, not white man seasoning, because I mean, you know, white, white people season their chicken when it's on the plate, after it's been cooked, but I've been around enough cultures to know that good seasoning, amen, makes your soul lick its lips, But I love the fact I can season up a bit of chicken, put it in an air fryer, turn it on, walk away, do what I want to do with my little magic box on the wall, and then when it goes ding, I can come back in, and there is delicious chicken sitting there. I love science. How many of you know science can't answer every question? Science can show us how things have come about, but it can't tell us why. Can't tell us where it comes from. Amen? They always need one miracle, the miracle of origin. Where does everything come from? I saw a thing with Richard Dawkins where he was trying to, he was trying to get people to believe that nothing was not nothing. That actually nothing is something. And uh, the people were laughing. It's like, how much money you got? Nothing. It doesn't mean you got something, does it? If you've got nothing in your bank account, it doesn't mean you've got something in your bank account, does it? Imagine that nothing meant something. That would be a good thing. But the Bible makes claims about origins, it makes claims about purpose and meaning. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. The Bible doesn't claim that the main substance of everything came from nothing, it says it was created by someone. And that creator who we call God brought into being the very elements that we live in. Time, space, and matter that enables us to be and to live. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, time. God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter. So we see that the story of God makes claims about things that mean something. I mean, if you know that the world we live in today is suffering from too much information and not enough meaning. Anyone can get information from anywhere these days. Just Google it, right? Call Alexa. Hallelujah. Alexa does everything these days. If you want her to. I I, I don't need Alexa because I'm married. My wife knows everything. Her name is... Miss Wright. Hallelujah. The first name always. I'm just messing around. She's looking at me right now with that with that married look. You know that that wife look? You wait. <laughs> but God created all of this and then he filled it with everything that would be needed to build and sustain life. Because that's part of God's blessing. And they make sure that we always have the resources available to be able to accomplish his purposes for us. That's the blessing of God. He doesn't just say, do this and leave us hanging. He says, do this. I want you to do this. And then he gives us the resources that we're going to need to be able to do this. God creates things. He creates space. He creates environments and then he fills them. When God created humanity, His purpose was to represent Him and His will and His ways in the world that He created. And when He created the world, it was like a wilderness. That's where man was created. When you read the scriptures, you see that God created the the earth, and there were birds in the air, there were fish in the sea, there were animals in the land, and then He took the substance of the earth and He created man. And it was in the wilderness. And then the Bible says that he made a garden, and then he put the man in the garden. So man wasn't made in the garden in order and beauty. Man was made out in the wilderness. That's why men leave their clothes on the floor. Hallelujah. That's why men have the chair. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about, by the chair. When your clothes are not clean enough to put away, but not dirty enough to wash, that they could be recycled and worn again? What do you do? Where do you go? Where do they go? They go to the chair. I mean, if you have a chair, hallelujah, you have a chair in your bedroom, come on, somebody, and there's like three shirts, two pairs of jeans, some tracksuit bottoms, huh? on the chair. God created the woman in the garden. That's why women love beauty. That's why they'll have order. Come on, somebody. But God's will for humanity was to make the wilderness like the garden. That's what they were meant to do. They were meant to come into the garden. They were meant to learn. They were meant to be there with God, learn and grow and develop from their innocence into a place and develop into a place of maturity and into a place of of being able to take what God showed them into the wilderness to make the wilderness like the garden. That was our purpose. But we all know what happened. First, there was the rebellion of humanity in the garden when sin became death. This was when the man and the woman lost their God-given objectivity and they chose to be subject to another way of living. that's That's what sin is all about. God told them, listen, I'm with you. I've made this for you. This is what I want you to do. Everything is yours. I've blessed you. I've resourced you. But there's, there's something I don't want you to touch. Do not touch. Don't eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because when you do it, you're going to die. And he did that for a reason. Because they were innocent. They had an objective lawgiver that was showing them what to do. And as long as they did it, they were going to be blessed, right? But then they decided through temptation. We know that that old slippery serpent was around there. The nakash, they call it in Hebrew. The serpent, a celestial being that was tempting, that wanted wanted to get them to rebel against God. And he said, did God really say? How many of you have heard those words? How many of you have, been subject to that temptation. The, the Bible says this, but then there's another voice. There's another opinion. There's something that comes in that tries to get you to disbelieve the objective truth of God and take on the subjective truth of your own feelings and needs and wants and desires. Hello? But this, God said, don't do that. But my, my, this is what I really want to do. Come on now. But they did that. They, they, they ate of it. They partook of it. Whatever that means. And they took that on themselves to become their own gods. That's what, that's what happens with sin. You become your own god. You become your own rule giver. You bec- it, that's subjectivity. And the world is all around that today. It's all over that stuff today. Be what you want. Do what you want. Come on now. You can, you can identify as whatever you want. When I was young, that was called identity theft. It was f- You can be whatever you want. You can be whoever you want. Hallelujah. I tried that a few times back in the day before I got saved. Hallelujah. Amen? People's checkbooks and cards and stuff, allegedly. <laughs> but that subjectivity came with that first rebellion in the garden. That was the first rebellion. Pride and selfishness began to rule. And we know what happened, a curse came upon humans and the earth. That's why women have to go through that pain in childbirth. That's why men have to work. That's why things don't give up their stuff as easy as they should. Because it was like, you messed up, man. Then after that, we see in Genesis chapter 6, when you read through, the sons of God... Whenever you see the word, the the, the term sons of God, it means means like God's, God's creation, his angels. The sons of God were angels. Jesus is called the son of man. That's the difference. That's how people get tripped out. The sons of God. These were like celestial beings. You know what a celestial being is? We're terrestrial beings in that we were made of the stuff of earth. But God has another order of beings that he created that were made from the stuff of the heavens, from the stuff of eternity. And these are the celestial beings. Sometimes people call them angels. But that's not a very good description of them, really. Angel just means like postman. It's a job description. Messenger. Humans can be angels. Come on, somebody. You take a message to someone, you've you've, you've done your angel business. But these were celestial beings. They were what they they were. They were known, you know, in in the Second Temple literature as the Watchers, the Gregorii, and they had a specific role. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter six, verse one through four, that they looked at the daughters of men and saw that they were beautiful. Turn around, sisters. Look at another sister right now. Men, keep looking at me. Just keep your eyes to yourself. Keep your neck. Stiff, hallelujah. We don't want no rubbernecking going on right now. Sisters, look around. Look at another sister say, you are beautiful. Mm -mm -mm." Come on now. Look at another sister right now. You are beautiful. Mm -mm -mm." Even the angels looked down on the daughters of men and saw that they were beautiful. And what they wanted to do was they wanted to have kids as well. Check that out. How twisted is that? So they came down and however it happened, the women gave birth to the Nephilim, the giants of old. There was weirdness that was taking place on the earth. It was a second rebellion. Abominations to God. And these things were so sick, and life was so twisted and so mad that God decided to wipe everything out with a flood and start again with a new family, the family of Noah. And that's what happened. Every single culture around the world has flood stories. Why? There must be There must be truth in it, right? And when you read the Bible, you got. It's astonishing the claims it makes that these things happened. But I don't know about you. I believe it. I mean, if you believe what the Bible says, this isn't. This isn't just something that people make up stories as allegories these things must have happened because there's too much evidence in the world that suggests that these things took place. Noah built the ark. The animals went in two by two. Come on now. The the leopard, the lion, the kangaroo, whatever. And what you have to understand is that not all of the different animals went in. The different kinds of animals went in. Someone said to me once, how could all the animals in the earth fit into the ark? No, they didn't, did they? It's like dogs went in, canine. They were probably more wolfy. I don't think that he had a French bulldog and a chihuahua, you know, all going in there. Are you with me? It was dogs. It was like a pair of dogs, you know what I mean? They probably looked like wolfy looking things rather than... Some of them fluffy looking little things. We know the story. But then when he came out, things went wonky again. There's a really trippy verse in, in Scripture where it talks about Noah came out, they started to build and started to replenish the earth, and he built a, planted a vineyard and he got some grapes from it, he made some wine, drunk the wine, got drunk. You know the story? right? And then the Bible says that his son Ham came in and uncovered his nakedness. Now, you can, you can put that in various different categories. I'm not going to go into all of them, but it could be anything from his son Ham came in and saw him drunk and naked. It could be in that term, uncovered his nakedness, that he went in and had sex with his mum. It could mean that he had sex with his dad. It could mean that he just saw his dad naked and mocked him and didn't honour him. Whatever it was, it was twisted. But here's the thing. God had blessed Noah and his family. So when Noah found out what happened, he couldn't curse his son because you can't curse what God's blessed. So he cursed Ham's son, Canaan. Because I many of you know, whenever you sin, there's a consequence. They started building, they started growing, they started developing on the earth. People went off and done their own things, started to try and build dynasties, trying to, trying to build their own stuff. They weren't fulfilling God's purposes for their lives. So they started doing their own thing. I mean, if you know, sin gets you to do your own thing. They started to build and then this king raised up by the name of Nimrod, who was a hunter. He was, you know, he was, he was, he was, he was a, he was a, he was a dude. And they started to build this city, and he built this tower. It could be a a tower, it could be a ziggurat, it could be a temple. More than likely, it was a temple. And all of humanity was gathered. There weren't that many people around then. It's not like there's 8 billion people in the world today. Don't that boggle your head. 8 billion people. But back then, there wasn't that many people. They were gathered together in the same place. They built this temple. Why? Why? Because temples are places that you commune with gods. There were places that you, you know, you you do stuff um, spiritually. But it wasn't a temple to God. This is the key. They wanted to become their own gods. They wanted to, you know, and traditions say that he built it, he wanted to build it so high that if there was another flood, they wouldn't get wiped away. It was in defiance of God. How I many of you know there comes a point in our lives when we do things in defiance of God? How I many of you have ever done something in defiance of God? Even right now you're in defiance of God because you're thinking about your dinner. You're thinking about how, you, how long is this going to take? When am I going to get out of here? Right? Right? So they built this tower at Babel as a challenge to God and so God came down messed up their language they all used to speak the same language I, I always think that they spoke in a Cockney accent English Cockney accent so that's kind of how I believe God speaks to me some of you God's a Jamaican Amen. some of you is a Nigerian right when God speaks to you I mean if you know he speaks to you in a way that you can understand Yaman. <laughs> right ah <laughs> but they all spoke one language and then God messed up their languages and he scattered humanity throughout the earth into 70 nations And each nation had an angel to oversee it. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 8 and 9 says this in the message. Paraphrase, it says, When the high God gave the nations their stake, gave them their place on earth, he put each of the peoples within boundaries under the care of divine guardians. But God himself took charge of his people, took Jacob on as his personal concern. There's a lot here, but I'm trying to build a picture. Right? Trying to build a picture. That there's so much that took place in that period up until and just coming after the flood. There's different rebellions that took place. The rebellions of humanity. The rebellions of the angel. There's there's different rebellions that took place that got everything into the place where it was. Messed up. God dealt with it. And it was like God washed his hands of it. Just said, enough's enough. Go your way. Do your thing. You humans, you're always rebelling. You always want to do your own thing. You don't want to worship me. So worship something else. How many of you know, if you don't worship God, you will end up worshiping something else? Money, fame, lust, power. Some other God. Right? How many of you have had worship to other things? Right? So he... He got rid of them. And he said, I am going to start again. I'm going to take a people that were no people. I'm going to get someone that I'm going to start again and use. And I'm going to have a people that are my people. And they're going to be the least of everything. But I'm going to show the world. I'm going to show humanity who I am through this people. And one day, all of the world is going to be blessed through this people. This is where we come to the life of and the story of Abraham originally he was known as Abram in Hebrew the name Abram means exalted father he was someone that was lifted high had a reputation exalted father but then later on God changed his name to Abraham Abraham means father of a multitude I mean, if you know, you can be big in your own right. You can do some stuff in your own little box. You can be a big fish in a small pond. But when you covenant with God and you consecrate yourself with Him, it's exciting to me to understand that God can increase our experiences of reality as we put our lives completely in His hands. He went from being an exalted father, a big fish in a small bowl or a small pond, to being... A big fish in a big pond with loads of other fish coming after him. I don't know about you. I don't want to just be someone big in my own lifetime. I want to be someone that releases other people to be big in their lifetimes. And the lifetimes that follow. And the lifetimes that follow. This is legacy stuff that God was dealing with. Abram, Abraham. was a blessed man. How many of you want to be blessed? How many of you want to be blessed? But how many of you really know what blessing means? He didn't have it easy. He had to come out of a civilization to go into a wilderness. He had to come out of a comfort zone to go into an uncomfortable situation trusting God that God was going to bless him. Imagine that. Where he came out of Ur of the Chaldees was a civilization. Archaeologists said they had running water, they had sanitation, they had heating. They had all different types of stuff, man. They they weren't just primitive people. But then he took him out of that culture and said, I want to build a new culture through you. This This is really important. Abraham was someone that went against the grain of his culture, just as Noah did before him. Just as every single person that God has ever blessed has had to do. They've had to come out of the culture. Are you with me? In obedience to God. And they've had to start to build God's culture, where he sends them, where he places them, where he puts them. This is an important point. Because God doesn't let the majority influence who he's going to bless. Sometimes we want to be blessed by everyone except God. So we celebrate all the things that God says he doesn't tolerate. So that we will not be pushed aside, spoken of as being stupid. I mean, if you know, that, going back to the scientific debate that some scientists believe that if you're a person of faith, you're stupid. You're weak and stupid because they don't understand what we're talking about, what we mean. But if the world around you says that you're, you're stupid, you're useless, you're weak because you're a person of faith, if that's the prevailing culture, God wants to take us out of that culture so that we build His culture. Because how I many of you know it's His culture that is blessed? It's his culture that brings life, right? The culture of those who push against God is always marked with the same sad stuff. Selfishness, fear, lust for power. Come on, somebody. Everyone who pushes against God always has those elements in their life, right? But the people of God should be marked with humility, and with joy, with peace. Come on, somebody. Uh-huh. But you have to build that culture. Abraham was a culture creator. And that's what God's blessing enables. God's blessing is not just about having more money in your pocket, having a nice car, having nice stuff, big houses. It's also about being able to build the culture of heaven. Everywhere you go, the blessing of God enables you to bring light into darkness, to bring life where there's death, to bring hope where there's depression, to bring light and life and love where there's, where there's a lack of love, where there's just lust. I mean, you know, lots of people spell love L-U-S-T. But God says, I'm looking for culture creators. And I'm going to bless those people. I'm going to bless the people that build my culture. I'm going to bless the people that that obey me. I'm going to bless those people. And he creates environments for us and then he fills those environments. Without this man and his faith and his obedience to the creator God, it's doubtful that we would even be able to be saved. He was the father of what we've got now. Come on now. He was the one before Jesus came. He was living a life of faith, trusting in the one that was going to come. That's it. There's people in the world today that even after 2,000 years of Jesus being a, a, a reality in the world, they still won't believe. They still won't trust. But he was thousands of years before Jesus came and he was trusting that there is going to come a Redeemer. He was a person of faith. I have to ask myself this sometimes. I'm asking you. You know, we often want to know God more. How many of you want to know God more? I'm always, I want to know you more, Lord. How many of you have ever prayed that? God, I want to know you more. I want to know you. How many of you have ever said that? I want to know you. I really want to know you. I want to see your power. I want to see your miracles. I want to know you. I want to be part of your blessing. I want to see amazing things take place, right? Anyone? I don't just want to live a sad, sappy little Christian existence where I come to church, sing a few songs, walk away. Everything's hard. It's all about what you can't do. I don't want that. I want to know what I can do. I want to know what's possible. I want to see the miracles. I want to pray for the sick. I want to prophesy and see see great things take place. We want more of God, right? But here's the question. How many of us would do what Noah and Abraham and the other heroes of faith would do? How many of you would leave your culture, leave the, the fact that people around you, in the place around you, when you're drinking and smoking and rubbing and stubbing and looting and shooting, and you know, you're, you're, you're watching the same things, laughing at the same jokes, pulling people down, mocking God, cursing other people. How many of you want to leave that? Leave subjectivity to follow objectivity. Most people don't want to know God because they don't want to be subject to someone greater than them. Lots of people, it's not that they can't get saved, they won't get saved because they won't surrender their own right to decide what to believe or not to believe. That's basically the truth. People want to do what they want to do, right? But Abraham didn't do what he wanted to do. And you see that throughout his life. He did what God wanted him to do. God blessed him. Are you with me? What helped was having God's blessing. Understand this. When the Lord blesses you, He's not just doing something for you, He's also doing something in and through you to affect other people's lives. This is the blessing. Here's the thing I want you to catch this. If you want to be blessed, who wants to be blessed? Who wants to be living in the blessings of God? Check this out you're blessed to be a blessing. You ain't just blessed to get fat and rich. Oh, hallelujah. When God blesses you, he wants you to bless it forward. If God blesses you with health, he wants you to live like that. If he blesses you with money, he wants you to be a blessing financially. If he blesses you with a singing voice, he wants you to make music that's going to bless other people. If he blesses you, with a brain, he wants you to use that to bless other people. When we do that, we're operating in the way that he caused us and created, created us to operate in. In other words, he wants to create a flow. This is the blessing flow. I've been praying lately God, give me in the blessing flow. I want to be in the blessing flow. You know, I, I, me and Vicky came from London to Manchester. That's like going from Ur uh, of the Chaldees out in the wilderness place of civilization to a place, (laughs) place of madness. Hallelujah. When we first came to Manchester back in the day, there were three-legged dogs. There were cars on bricks. People had outside toilets. Come on, somebody. There was no civilization. We came from London where you could go and buy a pint of milk at 11 o'clock at night. We got here. Everything was shut at 10. Couldn't even get any petrol. (laughs) <laughs> took us six months to slow down. I mean, you know, everything in London's like boom, 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 boom. You're here, you're there, you're here, you're there. You're on the tube, you go here, you go there. You've got a meeting there, you've got a meeting there. You're doing this, you're doing that. You're going out, getting some food. You're coming back, you're going out, you're going out. Everything's like boom, boom, boom. Right? How I many Londoners in the house, you know what I'm talking about? You're on the tube, no one speaks. No one says nothing. It's cool. No one says nothing. I remember, I remember going back to London once and there was, a, there was a big alert on the tube. There was a northerner speaking to people. Armed <laughs> um, police were out. There were counter-terrorist people. What is this? Someone's speaking to someone on the tube. <laughs> all the Londoners were freaked out. They didn't know what was happening. It's just some northerner there going, all right, love. But there's a flow. So I've been praying, God, I wanna be a blessing. How does that work? And the Lord's like, let me create a flow. I wanna create a flow. I wanna be able to bless you and know that you're not just gonna keep it to yourself. Can I trust you with my blessing so that I know that if I flow it through? flow it to you, it's going to flow through you. If I give it to you, it's going to flow through you. If I give you the words of life, are you just going to keep them or are you going to release them? If I give you money, are you going to keep it or are you going to release it? If I give you, are you with me? There's a flow. Him to you, then you to others. Look at what God said to him. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. That's it. That's it. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through. Everyone say through. Through Through you. You understand, God didn't create us and save us to do nothing. He created us to do something. For you are God's workmanship, or his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus, saved by the blood of the Lamb and faith in the name of Jesus Christ. To do good works, Ephesians 2.10 says, that he has prepared before and that you should walk in. There is something that he wants your life to be about. There is a purpose he wants you to fulfill. There is meaning in your life. It goes beyond just having stuff. It goes beyond having a bigger house. It goes beyond having a holiday. It goes beyond having a nice car, nice nails, white teeth. It goes beyond just being selfish. It goes to the place where if God blesses to you, he knows that it's going to bless through you. That someone else might get a holiday because of you. Someone else's house might, 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 might be established because of you. Someone else might come into the place of gifting because of you. It might just be that you walk up to someone one day and you look them in the eyes and just say, I want to let you know you are valuable I just want to let you know life is better with you in it check that out because how many of us would like to hear that from time to time how many of you your day is sucking your boss is getting on your nerves your work is horrible you've looked in the mirror hallelujah and there's an ugly fat imposter looking back at you Right? Cross eyes, hair out. You just need someone to come up and bless you and say, listen, you're beautiful. You're amazing. I, I, I really like you. I think, you know what? You're, 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 you're great. You're, you're good to be around. You know what? It's great to see you. You know what? You're brilliant. Hallelujah. Life is more valuable with you in it. then also, if you want to bless them financially as well, that always helps. Amen? I mean, if you love just getting a a blessing, just coming from nowhere. I had one this week. Vicky got on our bank account. Online. Science and technology. She said, what's this? I'm thinking, oh no. the demon that attacks Christians' finances has come against us once again. You know what his name is? Bill. Oh, there's some random bill that's come out of the firmament. Hallelujah. Oh, no. She said, look at this. What's this? I'm like, what do you mean, what's this? I haven't done anything. I haven't bought anything. I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything. She said, what's this? And I looked at it, and it said HMRCSE. C, 3,300 pounds in green. I'm like, it looks like, a, it looks like they're going to give us some money. It's not red. It's green. It's C, that's credit. If it was bad news, it would be D and it would be in red. We'd be like, oh my goodness, I'd be selling my kidney on, on, on Vinted. Right? And then the next day she said to me, it's in. The money is in our account. The eagle has landed. Hallelujah. The blessing has landed. From nowhere. We wasn't expecting it. Come on, somebody. I mean, if you know, that feels good. That feels blessed. You know the first thing we did? We blessed it forward. Not all of it. Hallelujah. I even you know I'm born again, but I wasn't born again yesterday. <laughs> but we took a portion of it and we blessed it forward. Because I want it again. I want God to surprise me again. I want to create a flow. I want to create a blessing flow. I want to create the flow that if I get good news, I want to bless some good news. I want to I I create a flow that if I'm feeling happy, I want you to be happy as well. I want to create a flow That I know that I've been set free by the blood of Jesus and I want someone else who's in bondage to get set free by the same blood of Jesus. I want there to be a flow. Come on, somebody. That's what happened with Abraham. Good works are not for our own benefit. The same way fruit doesn't benefit the tree that produced it. When was the last time you saw an apple tree eating an apple? Huh? But it produces apples. What are the apples for? They're for other people to to benefit from. The fruit doesn't bless the tree. The fruit blesses other people Around the tree. But if the tree doesn't produce the fruit and doesn't release it to other people, it can't grow any more fruit. So there's no reason for his existence. It loses his purpose. You have to understand, Christian. You have to understand, man and woman of God. You have to understand that if your purpose is to image the living God. If your purpose and your meaning and your mission in life is to represent the one true and living God, to be light in darkness, to give life where there's death, to give hope where there's depression, and all of that stuff, then unless you're blessing it forward, you lose the purpose for your own meaning and existence. You break the flow. problem with people that have come from background of scarcity and lack or people that have been in a season of scarcity and lack, people that have been in a place of hunger, people that have been in a place of poverty, people that have been on the the red side of of, of the scale. Come on, somebody. Is that when they get something, they fear that they'll never get it again, so they keep it, they use it, they eat all of the seed, and then they've not got anything left to sow another harvest. God wants us to get the seed. Take some. Sow it. Eat the rest. But then you know there's another harvest coming. That's the flow, man. Are you with me? That's the flow. God made us for more than being selfish. We're to love our neighbors, and that means doing something. It means producing fruit, which happens when your character becomes an extension of Jesus. It means making a positive difference in other people's lives. The truth is, you can't meet every need of every person. Are you with me? But each of us is able to bless some people in some ways just as we get blessed. Then you're doing God's will. Abraham's blessing includes the promise that he will have a great name. Watch this. That's reputation. I don't know about you, but I know some rich people that are snaky, horrible people. I mean, if you've known people with money that are snaky, snidey, horrible. I remember me and Vicky was in a restaurant once in Manchester, a Chinese restaurant, and there was a very famous boxer was in the restaurant with his entourage. And they were causing havoc. They were treating the waiters like filth. They were treating other patrons like filth. It's very true that some people are so poor that all they have is money. But their character and their reputation is dirt. I don't know about you, but the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1, it says, Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. One day you want Jesus to stand up for you in heaven. One day you want him to say, you know what? That person honoured me on earth. I'm honouring him in eternity. That person has a good name. That person represented the Father. That person, that man, that woman, they loved people. That person blessed people. That person prayed for people. That person helped people. Because you ain't taking your money with you. But you'll take your reputation. And then he says, and that he would become a great nation and have many descendants. Having descendants who will follow after you is such a heavy thing. This is legacy stuff. I'm so grateful for my son and daughter. They've been through some stuff. They're past as kids. They've seen all the madness. They've seen people say one thing to our face and heard another thing behind our back. They've seen people come and people go. They've done all that stuff. They hear, they see everything pastor's kids. They've had people treat them different because they're our kids. Well, you're the pastor's kids. You should know better. Thomas used to always get in trouble. He would fight all the time. He was like a little monkey in the church. You'd look around and he'd be climbing on the balcony. He'd be up on the roof. He was all over the place. People would be like, you're the pastor's son. Shame on you. They've been through all that stuff. Lily's been through her stuff. I mean, if you know, Lily's in the UTC right now. Lily's following the calling of God for her life right now. Tom is praying, hallelujah, for his friends. Tom is there reading his Bible. Coming to church. Descendants. Descendants, legacy. Seed that's going to carry on our name. Come on, somebody. And that's, that's not even included. Our spiritual sons and daughters that are out there pastoring churches in Liverpool right now, in Birmingham right now, in Glasgow right now. Come on, somebody. In London right now. Descendants, even people that have left the church. They've gone and they're doing something else. They might have been with us for 10 years or 16 years or 5 years or whatever it is, and they might have gone and done something else. But I know that one day in eternity, I'm going to get a reward for that descendants, legacy stuff. When God blesses us, he's providing us with the resources to play our part in his original purpose for humanity. And then our original scripture goes on to say this. It says, God will bless those who bless him and curse those who curse him. Whoo! come on now. I mean, if you know, it's dangerous to mess with someone that God has blessed. People think they can come with, ble- with, with cursing you if you are a child of God. You just don't even need to do nothing. Visit us every Sunday in person at the church building or live on Facebook and YouTube at 10am. Go to our website vomanchester.org.uk for more information.